Well, all right, thank you so much for joining us here on Wednesday. Before we get started, give it up for Jeremy for worship and how amazing Victoria was on communion. You don't know how happy that makes my heart seeing our youth, our high schoolers get up there and start changing the world for the better. So they're doing awesome. Good job. <laughs> but we're so thankful you're here. It's going to be a fun night. We're not talking about the most uplifting passages, but we're still going to make something of it because everything is important about God's word, and that's going to be exciting to go through. So if you didn't know, tomorrow's Valentine's Day. Yeah. So make sure to write something down, like really romantic from the Bible or something. Go through uh, anything. Be real romantic. <laughs> but you'll thank me for that later. Um, yeah, there you go. Song of songs. So what we're going to do is we're going to finish out chapter 15. We're about the midway point to the Gospel of John. What we do is we break this down bit by bit and explore the context of what we're going through, what it meant at the time of the scriptures we're going through. So we're going through something tough. Tonight we're going to be talking about a word that we've all experienced at one point or another in our lives. Tonight we're going to be talking about hate. Now, hate is a strong word. It's one of those words that comes with a lot of mixed emotions with it. There's a lot of things that walk around that you know that you associate with hate right away. When you use a word such as strong as hate, you know you're trying to hurt someone by using those words. It's such a deep emotion that could mean hatred, it could mean irritability, it could mean hostile, it means you could be angered. Hate's not always associated with something good. A lot of times you say you hate someone, you just have so much pent-up anger behind you, so much that you want to get off your chest. I mean, we use hate every single day sometimes. We, we don't really mean certain things behind it, like, oh, I hate going to school, I hate going to work. And we don't really throw that much meaning behind it. I hate going to church. If you say that, you're in trouble. That was a test. We say these things, just throwing it around. Oh, I, I, I hate waking up early. Yeah, we get that. But this is a different kind of actually putting some emotion behind it. I remember back when I was younger, and I remember hanging out with a few people. And this one person, I did something wrong to. I was on the wrong end. I was completely in the wrong, and I knew it. And that person knew I did something wrong, but they ate it. They were like, I'm not going to say anything about it. So whenever that person saw me, if I was hanging out with my friends or laughing, inside they were like, oh, I hate Dustin so much for what he did. If I was just walking down the street, minding my own business, I hate Dustin. The irritability was going sky high. There was such a resentment down in their soul because of how I did something to them. Until finally, it reached a boiling point. And that person stood in front of me and very forcefully and very angrily and just with every emotion they had behind them, they said, I hate you, Dustin. And you kind of stand there in shock, like, wow, that's a 
I think you mean that. And there was so much behind it. The person, you know, starts to get a tear going down. I'm, I'm, I'm shook. Like, what am I supposed to do right now? I feel bad because I know that I was in the wrong. I know that I did something to hurt someone. I knew that I needed to be called out for it. So then I walked around with a little bit of shame, a little bit of disgust in myself. I hated to be called out. At that moment, I hated to be hated because I did something so wrong to someone. As we dig into our scripture tonight, we're going to learn a different way of why there is hate. And by the end of the scripture tonight, I'm hoping you're going to be on the same page with me to be excited to be hated, to love to be hated for reasons why we're going to see tonight. So if you guys are able to stand, please stand with me as we're going to read through the first two verses in John chapter 15. If you need a Bible, we always put Bibles out on the back table. We want you to have your Bible here with us. We also have the Bible through our Journey app. It's on the Sky Bibles. You have Bibles all over the place. There's no reason for you not to to be a part of this and read it with us. So we're going to go through verse 18 and 19 in chapter 15. So that the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belonged to it. But you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world. So it hates you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for these tough words that we're going to go through tonight. We thank you for the emotions that we're able to feel and how emotional you are on our behalf. Lord, we ask these words to jump out to someone, experience it in a new way, in a new life. And we just lift this night up to you as an offering. We're thankful for this time. We're thankful for you. It's your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. So last week, Jeff did a great job talking about couple different images that we were going through in the middle part of chapter 15. He was focusing in on the friendships that we were forming that Jesus actually considered the people that he's walking with his friends now. And they shared this love, a deep love between each other because they, they definitely cared for each other. That's the kind of friendships we need to be walking with and feeling. We need to be feeling this love together as we're going through. So we We love our friends. We love our brothers and sisters in Christ. We love Jesus Christ. But where does that leave everyone else in the world? Where does that leave the world in terms of of us? And it says in James chapter 4, verse 4, I'm going to bring this out from last week. It says, you adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. So it sounds like we have a choice to make. Either we are friends to the world and be an enemy of God, or we choose Jesus Christ and go against the world and thus be hated by the world. That's the choice that's in front of us at this moment. 
And it's hard for me to try to understand from the first point reading through this. Maybe you're a newer believer walking through this. Of why, why the hate? I mean, why are we hated at this moment? I look around the room and I see a, you know, a good amount of lovable people. People I'd like to hang out with. People that have a great heart. People I bring around my family. I see a great group of people that don't deserve to be hated. So I need to understand what this hate is. Why the heck are we being hated on? So let's try to define this reason of why people bring this hate. Why do they hate God? If you notice necessarily, a lot of people don't openly say, I, you know, I hate God. It's they hate these laws and these rules and these principles of godly views that actually gets on our nerves and they hate him. They resent his existence and what he stands for. They despise the fact that God who exists is holy, so all of mankind is now being held accountable for their actions. We would rather have one of those holy parents that would turn a blind eye whenever we sin or do something wrong. Or we don't have to be held accountable anymore. We don't like being shamed upon. We don't like feeling bad about ourselves. So they dislike God. They're irritated and frustrated that they're told that God has authority over the decisions in their life. They don't want to be told that drunkenness is forbidden. That things outside of marriage are not smiled upon. They don't want to hear about hell. They don't want to hear about us lifting up other people and worshiping them as idols. They cringe at the suggestion that they are not the final authority in their lives. They get angry when they are informed that they're not the ones with the say for what they get to do. And they get angry when they're informed that the only way that we can get reconciled with God is through His Son, Jesus Christ. This is where the hate arises. The world would rather set its own agenda and its own rules. We would rather set up other people that we can look up to and worship than spend the time worshiping our God. They want to pass laws that keep Jesus out of as many places as possible, whether it's schools, hospitals. The world wants to keep Jesus out. And the more and more that happens, the more and more we see things slipping through the cracks where these these ideas and these laws just seem normal that are anti-Jesus. This is what people don't want to deal with. So if the world hates you, the important thing to know is that you're doing the right thing. Because it says in the scripture that the world first hated Jesus. We chose Jesus and Jesus chose us. And there is no better place, there is no better people, there is no better person that I want to spend my life with than Jesus Christ. And being in a group of hated misfits than all of us here. This is such an uplifting Valentine's message. (laughs) But I'm excited that we get to be hated together because we're doing something right. So I want to do some table talk tonight. 
I want you to really get to know the people around you. If you're at a table with just a couple people, try to be with at least three or four. Get to be friends. But I want to know what are some of the reasons that you are hated. Share the good that you've done recently. And this is talking about some of the good things you've done in your lifetime, in the past week, the past month, if you're part of a Bible study, if you're here. By doing these godly things, we're saying that the world is hating on us. So what have you done recently? Go ahead and talk about it for a few moments. I think this is a good, a good talking point. And if a lot of us are sharing, that means you guys are doing good and, and you're, you're, you're making the world mad. As we read in scripture that, that Satan kind of controls the world side of things, so we want to make him mad. If you're if you feel like you're not doing a good job, I'll just put it plainly, pissing off the world, then this is a good idea to start finding out some ways to get the world mad at us. We need to come together in more of these church settings. We need to get in our small groups. We need to get ready to battle all the bad in this world. And we can do it with Jesus and each other. So if we go back and read it, if it says the world hates you, Remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belonged to it. But you are no longer part of this world. So what does Jesus mean when he says you and I are no longer part of this world? If I look, I'm here. I'm in this moment. I'm physically standing here on this stage, a part of this world. I am an earthly citizen. I vote. I pay taxes. I contribute to society. I call this town of Camarillo, California home. I am an earthly citizen. In many of these ways, I am in the world. But what Jesus is saying, that we are not of the world, we do not take our identity of this world, that we are his. That is who we take our identity in. We're not Americans or Canadians or Russians or Indonesians or Jews or Gentiles. We are Christians and we are believers. We are sons and daughters of the Most Almighty. That is who we get to be a part of. We do not look for approval from men and women. We look for the approval of God. We base our values and opinions on what God has destined for us, for the scriptures that have been put together for us. We are citizens of heaven, and we need to show the world what that looks like. Our aim is not the fulfillment of others, but the coming of God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And let's be clear, one of the most important things of why we are not of this world. And it says so beautifully, he says, I chose you to come out of the world. It's not who we are or what we've chosen to do. It is who chose us to be his. That is why we are not a part of this world anymore. I chose you to come out of the world. We are a part of th something greater. And in verse 20 and 21, as we continue on, it says, do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. They will do all this to you because of me. 
or they've rejected the one who sent me. He's given us a warning here of what we are going to experience in our lifetimes. And I have a definition of what it means to be persecuted or persecute. Someone to hostility, ill treatment, especially because of their race or political or religious beliefs. Some synonyms that go along with it were oppressed, abused, victimized, ill-treated, mistreated, maltreated, discriminated against, punished, inflicted of pain, suffering, torture, or martyr. Look that up in the scriptures sometimes of how many people died for their faith. How many were martyred that you got to experience. That's the hatred that the world comes against us with. That they'll stop it at any means necessary because they don't want the advancement of the kingdom. Jesus is giving us a warning. Since they persecuted him, we are going to be persecuted. We say it week after week. Following Jesus is not always going to be easy. Sometimes it feels like we are swimming up the stream while everyone else is coming back down because that's the easy way to go. We get kicked out of some circles. We have to change our friends. Sometimes it seems like a very tough road. But the rewards are so greater than anything we could ever imagine. By others rejecting God, they have turned away from the greatest gift that they could ever receive. By shutting out the moral codes and laws of God... They have instead cast themselves away from the goodness that they could experience. They've rejected him, turned away from his teachings, and chosen their own path. And verse 22 through 24 says, They would not be guilty if I had not come and spoken to them. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Anyone who hates me also hates my father. If I hadn't done such miraculous signs among them that no one else could do, they would not be guilty. But as it is, they have seen everything I did, yet they still hate me and my father. Another reason why people hate God and in turn hate us is because they don't want the sin to be brought out in their lives out in front of others. They don't want to be exposed for who they are. To pull the covers off of what they think that we are actually keeping from God, even though he's able to be watchful all the time. In verse 23, it says they have no excuse for their sin. They can't claim ignorance to what's going on around them. They can't say the reason that they sin or the reason they're okay with this is because no one ever told them these things. They can't pull that kid card where you're like telling the parents, well, you didn't say I couldn't do that, so it doesn't count. They can't claim ignorance anymore to these rules. Now, Jesus said that they have been eyewitnesses to these miracles going on. We have been eyewitnesses to miracles that we've experienced in our own life. We have heard his teachings. These people here were face to face and heard him speak these words. They have chosen the world over Jesus. Once they recognize 
that he is in us. This is where the hate comes from. That's how we get classified in this moment of being hated on by the world. And this isn't something new. This is something that we experience over and over in scriptures. Just one of the ways that it says that in verse John, chapter 3, verse 13, it says, So don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. Don't be surprised if the world hates you. So once again, I say that I love to be hated, that this is a cause that I love to be hated for because I am closest to the one that matters the most. The world can be a dark place, but we are the light that's going to continue moving forward with Jesus Christ. So I want to do one more table talk with us. What are some of the ways that the world is pushing Jesus to the side and ignoring his words? This is your own opinion. I'm not asking for a great political debate. Let's keep it civil here. But we need to start talking about some of the ways you've noticed that Jesus has been disappearing from certain things. So what's some things in the news that you've been hearing about that kind of worries you about the trajectory that we're going in this world? So go ahead, take some time. Open up, really get to know your brothers and sisters here. You know, besides people not wanting to be judged or uncovered or inconvenienced, there is no good reason to hate Jesus and in turn hate us. There is no good reason behind it. That's what it says in verse 25. So this fulfills what is written in the scriptures. They hated me without cause. Without a cause. People have brought it all upon themselves. And he's talking about fulfilling the scriptures that was talked about in Psalm 69. That we're going to have up on the board. It says, those who hate me. Those who hate me without cause outnumber the hairs on my head. Many enemies try to destroy me with lies, demanding I give back what I didn't steal. In Psalm 69, David's in this point of grief, and he's saying that, you know, they don't really have a reason, but there's so many people, more than the hairs on my head is how much I'm being hated on. This is how many enemies I have for no reason at all. I'm, I'm having to deal with this. Jesus, we have no reason to hate Jesus. But we will always seem to be out of step with the trajectory of society. Because we don't want to appear on the wrong side of right and wrong. We don't want to accept the changing ethics of our day. We want to stand for what Jesus says is true because his is the word is the ultimate one and it never changes. The enemies will try to destroy us. And what Jesus is doing is warning us to get ready for this attack. Jesus is warning us of what's going to happen because he doesn't want us to face all this hatred alone. He doesn't want you thinking you're walking down the street being hated on by yourself. And that's great news for us. 
because he's given us someone so amazing to walk with us to get ready for this as we finish out our scripture tonight in verses 26 and 27. It says, but I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. And you must also testify about me because you've been with me from the beginning of my ministry. We're told that Jesus will send to us from the Father the Holy Spirit. I had the chance to speak about the Holy Spirit a few weeks ago. It's this advocate, a helper, someone that will continually walk with us and be there for us. Someone will pick us up at our weakest moments, give us words to say when we need words, strength when we need strength. When the hatred of the world feels like it's going to be too much, we want to start going to what society thinks is proper. We draw on the power of the Holy Spirit that is meant to walk with us. And it is a powerful thing. We can be controlled by the Holy Spirit, not by the world. We can be controlled by this helper that was sent to us. In Romans chapter 8, verse 9, it says, But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit. If you have the Spirit of God living in you, Remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. With God, we've got this because we are controlled by the Spirit. When opposition to the gospel increases, we must trust that we will have a counter for it. That we will walk away from the temptations that have been put in front of us. As Christians, we become vessels to the presence of the Holy Spirit. Got a chance to, to listen to Randy this past week, one of the pastors here. And he was telling us this story about being a young believer. And he was walking down the street and he was surrounded by some unbelievers that wanted to disprove some things. And even though he was a newer, younger believer, they began to shout things to try to debate him and prove different things that God is, is lame and, and not as powerful as they think. And this young believer said he was just in this moment, and he doesn't remember all of it, but he had an answer and a scripture for each thing that this person said to him. And the only answer to that is that he had the power of the Holy Spirit working through him. That the world was trying to corner him at that moment, and the Holy Spirit saw it all and worked through him. That's a power that we get to walk with one and all. And we need the Holy Spirit because of the last part of the scripture that we are going through tonight in the Gospel of John. Because in verse 27 it said, And you must also testify about me. And you must also testify about me. It's not a maybe or when you get the chance. This is our commission moving forward. That we must go out and testify about him. We want to change the world. We say we want to go out there loving the world one person at a time. We need to start doing it. Because we have the tools and we've been equipped with the Holy Spirit where we can go out and do that. If we want to start changing the world, we need to take the initiative to say, Us, God, we've got this. Let's bring this back to order to who it truly belongs to. So our job is to move forward telling the gospel, and don't think that you're not ready, you're not equipped, because you are equipped through the Holy Spirit walking through you.
And I want to close going back to Psalm 69. Because David's going through it here. And this is important because he's being attacked from all different angles. It's not going to be up there on the screen because I just want us to take a moment to just listen to these words. To not be distracted by anything because this is who is watching out for us. This is who we get to talk to. When life seems like it's getting too much, when the world seems like it's caving in on us, this is what we get to look to. The scriptures, we get to look to God, the one who's going to answer it all. So I'm going to start in Psalm 69, verses 9 through 18. It says, Passion for your house has consumed me, and the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. When I weep and fast, they scoff at me. When I dress in burlap to show sorrow, they make fun of me. I am the favorite topic of town gossip, and the drunks sing about me. But I keep praying to you, Lord, hoping this time will show me favor in your unfailing love, O God. Answer my prayer with your sure salvation. Rescue me from the mud. Don't let me sink any deeper. Save me from those who hate me and pull me from these deep waters. Don't let the floods overwhelm me or the deep waters swallow me or the pit of death devour me. Answer my prayers, O Lord, for your unfailing love is wonderful. Take care of me, for your mercy is so plentiful. Don't hide from your servant. Answer me quickly, for I am in deep trouble. Come and redeem me. Free me from my enemies. The world was coming at him from all different ways. And he knew that he could call on God. And God would answer him. And when that happens, he closes it out with, Then I will praise God's name with singing, and I will honor him with thanksgiving. For this will please the Lord more than sacrificing cattle, more than presenting a bull with its horns and hooves. The humble will see their God at work and be glad. Let all who seek God help be encouraged. For the Lord hears the cries of the needy. He does not despise his imprisoned people. Praise him, O heaven and earth, the seas and all that move in them. For God will save Jerusalem and rebuild the towns of Judah. His people will live there and settle in their own land. The descendants of those who obey him will inherit the land. And those who love him will live there safely. Let's pray. Lord, we're so thankful that we can come to you and ask for help when we need it that you will intercede on our behalf. That if we feel like we are being hated, we are on the right road, but we need you to be there continuously to back us up, Lord. Give us the words to say to people that need to hear it. Let the gospel run wild in this world. Let them know that the true way to salvation is through you and only you. There's so many people that need to experience the goodness that you are willing to give out, Lord. All they have to do is listen. We thank you for sending a helper, an advocate, the Holy Spirit to us so we can move forward. Let us walk with power and know who we are walking with. And on this holiday of Valentine's Day when everyone's talking about love, may we truly find the love through you. We love to be hated on. Because we're with you, Lord. We thank you. It's your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen.